think people give up when they're not at where they expect to be. Um, I was talking to a girl today, it kind of broke my heart a little bit. She's 25 and she was telling me that she's not where she wants to be, like not where she thought she would have been at 25. And I think these are really arbitrary. Yep. Um, <laughs> these limits that we put on ourselves, they're very arbitrary. Like maybe the reason you're not where you're at at 25 is because you're going to be way better than where you thought you'd be at 30. Welcome to the 10 podcast hosted by me, Danielle Gray, founder of Train Like a Gymnast. This show aims to help formerly competitive athletes succeed at life after organized sport. Tenno serves a community of recovering perfectionists and high achievers who want to become their best selves through discussions about mental health, personal development, movement education, setting expectations and boundaries, as well as limiting beliefs. Welcome to the Tenno podcast, Sydney. It's nice to see you and talk to you. It's been a little while. For those who aren't familiar with who you are, go ahead and give them a little background into who you are maybe how we know each other and what you do. My name is Sydney Olson. I am a professional parkour and free running athlete, and I am also a stunt woman. I started off my life as a gymnast. I started doing gymnastics competitively at about seven years old, and I went down that route for a little while, but I quit at about 14 um, when I kind of figured that it was getting in the way of other things that I wanted to pursue. But I always loved the ability that gymnastics creates and stuff. So I wanted to keep up with that. So I never fully lost the ability to do it. But I started coaching gymnastics when I was about 15 years old. And that's when I actually met some parkour guys was a couple of years after that. And basically, long story short, I ended up really loving parkour because it was kind of the same principles as gymnastics as far as like what you're pushing your body to do. But I felt like it was more creative in the sense that you weren't just doing routines all the time. You had the ability to learn new things and grow in that way. And so that's kind of what evolved my career into what it is. I never would have expected that that would have happened as I started doing it, but I'm super grateful for where it's led. That was quite a weird answer, but I believe that you and I met at Tempest a few years ago. Um, yeah. I don't actually fully remember the interaction, but I know I've like seen it. Yeah. I was trying to figure it out. I was like, when did I actually meet you? Yeah. That's kind of why I asked you. Cause I was like, maybe she remembers too. I just remember just being around, you know, Tempest Tuesdays and I would come with the guys and like, you would be there doing awesome stuff. And yeah, that's kind of, kind of it. And so I've been following your journey and watching your progression from, you know, free running into stunts. And I know you kind of messaged me about like wanting to get into fitness modeling. And so your, your stuff is kind of evolving as, as we all do. And I wanted people to kind of get into, uh, get to know you and get your story. Um, so I also started recording like right after we popped on here because the 10 podcast is very much a conversation. And especially what I'm trying to do in season four is have it be almost as if we're on a video call, like a FaceTime call, and people are just hopping in and listening to kind of how, how we naturally just talk about, you know, what's going on in our worlds and gain any kind of insight or inspiration or motivation from what we say. So something that I am starting is a this or that in the beginning. It's going to be a quick, like rapid fire you know, choose this or that, and you have to choose. It's going to be pretty simple, but so stressful. <laughs> it's so stressful, but that's part of the fun. So, okay. ready? First one: hot or cold? Hot. Rips or bruises? Mm, bruises. <laughs> flips or twists? Uh, flips. And front or back tumbling? Back. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. Really? Back tumbling? Even though so so much of like parkour and free running, you're like running forward and doing like front tosses off and it is, but at the same time I was noticing that when I was I was okay, so I was at a competition last weekend and um my Achilles tendon was like hurting me a little bit. And I was thinking of like I didn't want to really do any backwards flips, but then I was thinking about it. And I was like, oh my god, most of my flips are actually backwards, like including the ones that go forward. It's like gainer or like um <laughs> like a, yeah 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 like uh what is it's not 720 what would it be 540 twist stuff like that you know like I, a lot mm. of it, I actually end backwards and then that's true by turning around so I was realizing that even in gymnastics too like I got to level eight so um I think that's Same. like the phase I bet you would agree where it's kind of the phase where a lot of gymnasts decide whether or not they're going to like step yep. further and really pursue it or if they're you know it's like the cutoff point I don't know how to explain it more than that yeah yeah totally I mean I was training eight when I stopped as well that's that's like if you got a lot of talent it gets you kind of to there and then it's it's hard work pushing through fear doing things that make you uncomfortable and that are quite frankly, a lot more dangerous. Um, and yeah. so you have to prioritize and, and do that. And I know that you've done quite a few things where you've had some injuries. So what are, what are some of the injuries that you've had through uh, your parkour <laughs> so, free-running? I think the most obvious one is actually like the scar that I have on my face, um, which is kind of hilarious because it didn't come from like really doing anything super parkour related. I was warming up into a foam pit and I was doing a double full and I twisted and hit my head on the bar. It was so bizarre. Like, I, I don't know. I, like, uh, went to a ladder that we had at Tempest South Bay. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but that's one of them. I, um, I tore my rotator cuff actually working on a set uh, last year, and I ended up getting surgery for that. But um, as far as gymnastics, when I was younger, I actually felt very lucky with um, injuries. I'd have, like, little back sprains here and there. I think I dislocated my hip once. But for the most part, I felt like I was pretty well um, taken care of in my gymnastics career. My mom would always like make me go to the chiropractor every week and stuff. Oh my gosh! <laughs> then, yeah, yeah. Then as like an adult, I've actually broken like fourteen bones and stuff. <laughs> um, you know, that's the more dangerous part of your life. <laughs> well, and parkour is very different, right? Like when I was first learning, yeah. I didn't seem to understand that um, you can't land the same way as you do as a gymnast because as a gymnast, right. you kind of you're you're taught to sort of be springy if, if that makes yeah. sense like in parkour mm-hmm. you have to absorb your landings a lot more otherwise um there's a lot of injuries that can happen because it's on concrete so right uh, yeah i learned a lot from that and um over time you kind of get used to it but for a while it's really hard to adjust to exactly you didn't do any cheer right no i never ended up doing cheer so how was that no <laughs> i was like <laughs> i can't smile that much in high school i was like, i didn't want to they wanted me because i could tumble but i was like i can't be like so happy <laughs> So how did you make that transition from being used to like springy and rebounding and, a, and that kind of thing to, you know, concrete and, and hard surfaces when you're used to pits and mats and all of that? Like what, what went on in your head mentally? And then how did you physically adjust? It was really hard at first. I remember I started off, um, I think I was learning a Webster, which is basically like a front flip where you kick one leg over. Um, it's kind of like a front aerial, but less pretty. Um, <laughs> but I was I was learning it just on soft mats and kind of on the spring floor and stuff. And I remember I wanted to take it outside. And this was probably the first move that I actually took outside. And it was terrifying. Like, I remember thinking of doing it to concrete. And I'd never tumble on concrete as a gymnast. I was like, why would we do that? We don't need to. Exactly. And, 
out. Yeah, and it's just the idea of how much, uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? <laughs> it's more detrimental if things go wrong. So you constantly worry about that at first when you're learning and stuff. And then eventually you kind of learn how to fall well enough to where like concrete sort of your friend and mats are actually more scary to me these days because I end up rolling my ankle way more on mats than I ever do on concrete. <laughs> rolling ankle. Yeah. And mats move, but like, true you just roll out of it right yeah yeah so you can roll out of it or like you know any kind of fall if you can learn how to have that trust in your body which eventually i mean of course you know it in gymnastics and stuff but as a parkour athlete too when you're taking these things outside you have to have like a radical trust in your body to know like hey if this goes wrong this is how i'll bail out of it and that air awareness is really important right. and so um i think it took me, I would say, a good three years before I was really comfortable with what I was doing in parkour. Like, even the vaults and the fundamental stuff okay. that you learn, I just, it took me forever to understand it coming from a gymnastics background. And then, right. um, so a lot of my first couple of years was actually mostly just getting quirks back that I learned from gymnastics and taking them outside on concrete. So, yeah, it, like I said, it was a lot to adjust to, but um, I, I would always kind of work up the progression of doing it on grass first and seeing how that feels before taking it on concrete. And then I find out that it's, it's really not much different. Mm. I mean, that right there, I know just from working with a lot of adults or beginners or people who are getting back into it, they don't have that trust in their body anymore. Um, they've lost their air awareness or their body has changed significantly from when they were competitive and getting that back. A lot of people want it back very fast, but you say it took you three years to build that trust back up and and people don't want to hear that right what what did you do did you just stick to a lot of like basics and foundational kind of like accessory drills were you taking classes were you doing stuff on your own how how did you build up that trust again um specifically in your body or in the transition during well the i had to get stronger um because when i first started i i really hadn't done much physically over the past years that i had quit so like from age 14 to about 17, which is when I started parkour, the only fitness I was kind of doing was whatever we did in PE and then probably right. snowboarding every couple weekends or so. Um, okay. So really I hadn't, I hadn't been in good shape and I had to get stronger. So I, I got into weightlifting and kind of more body weight exercises as well during that time so that I could build like the foundation that I need to be able to be strong enough to do this. And, uh, Actually, like from that, I'm, I'm so much stronger than I was like as a young gymnast. I, I think about that all the time. I'm way more conditioned to be able to handle this. In fact, my tumbling is way better than it was as a gymnast. But you just have to be incredibly patient. Like I felt really lucky that I had friends that kind of coached me through how to do certain things technique wise. And then for me, I was just bounding or I was just um, building that foundation on the side for my body to be able to handle this kind of stuff, too, because and it's the same with gymnastics. It's very physically demanding. You have to be strong to be able to do it. And um, you have to kind of work on that body first to, to be able to like handle the technique as well. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the stuff that we are just, oh, conditioning, strength, building. Ugh. It's so good though. It's so good. Yep. <laughs> I hated yep. it when I was a kid. Like exactly. I tried to avoid it all the time, but it's so good for you. Exactly. The same. I despised conditioning. And I was always the kid that, I don't know, wasn't trying hard enough. So I get everybody to like start over or do more because Danny wasn't trying hard enough. And now I've created a company called Train Like a Gymnast where I teach you conditioning. <laughs> That's so stuck. amazing, by the way. I, I absolutely love like what your company does and stuff. And I think about, I'm like, oh yeah, I did that as a kid too. And like, this is yeah. drills for just anybody. 
Exactly. It's, that's the thing. It's like, you don't have to be flipping. It's, it's what gets you closer to be able to do that. So I love that. And I want it to be familiar with for so many people. So Mm -hmm. kind of similar to trust, but now going into like perfectionism, because a lot of former gymnasts, dancers, cheerleaders, ice skaters, divers, we all have a very subjective sport. It's not like, okay, you scored a goal or you made a, you made a basket, like whatever it's, there's no objectivity. It's based on subjective. That looks good. That's good enough. You can do more. So how has perfectionism and self-induced pressure affected your life, whether it be through sports or relationships or just life in general? Oh my gosh, this showed up for me like crazy in early adulthood and I didn't realize what it was and like where it came from, but it was definitely getting in the way of a lot of areas of my life, got in the way of like the career that I was trying to pursue. It got in the way of relationships, friendships. I had a lot of jealousy for other people that were doing well and it was, it was rough. And I look back on it and I'm just like, how did I even handle that baggage and not realizing what it was? I kind of just was so, it was so subconscious. I didn't even realize like how much it was destroying my life. And so as a parkour athlete, you know, I kind of got really into social media and posting my clips on social media, but didn't want to, unless they looked a certain way. So I would get really into like filming my clips, but they'd have to be like this level of perfection before I'd want to post them and stuff. And so I'd try and try again, which did make me a very good athlete. Like I got a lot further because I kept trying these things. And every time you try, you get feedback and all this. So it's a good thing on this level. But um, when it's getting in the way of your relationships and friendships, and you're, you're finding yourself comparing to other people all the time, it's really important to reflect. And I would say what's changed my life the most is writing it down, like journaling whenever I have these thoughts, because what ends up coming up is this unworthiness of love. Because when you're a kid and you're doing gymnastics and you're doing well, you often get rewarded when, you know, you, you score really high or you, you take first place. It's the subjectivity, right? And that makes you think that you're deserving of love. And then when you don't do those things, which sometimes is impossible to do, you don't feel it as much. And so it kind of recreates that reality over and over again. So I've noticed this in my adult life as well. And when I started journaling it down, I was able to let go of a lot of those belief systems and realize that I don't have to be doing any of that to be worthy. I'm worthy without my sports and all this that I do, that I could just exist and be worthy. And that's, that's a really important lesson for probably everybody on the earth to come around to realize. So it definitely showed up for a lot of my life and it still sneaks its way in there at times, but I have a much better control and it shows up immediately and I'll realize it immediately. Right. So yeah, it's that awareness. And and especially for former athletes, that's, that's, I think the, the demographic that I tend to attract and I work with most because you have that background, like you said, you get awarded for accomplishments. So if you're, if you're just existing in life or you're not doing, it feels really wrong and you feel lazy. You feel like a failure. You feel like you're not doing enough and that unworthiness. So that was great. And kind of one of my questions too, was what are therapeutic ways that you manage stress and burnout and that kind of perfectionism? You said journaling. Uh, do you come up yeah. with your own prompts? Do you use a specific journal? Like what, what kind of, um, exercises and, and methods do you use to? No, I, so when I was, so when it was 2020, I was recommended a book called the artist way by Julia Cameron. And 
it's all about tapping into your creativity. And one of the things that she suggests was actually waking up and writing three pages every morning of just whatever comes up. And at first oh. I was really resistant to it because I'm like, that's a lot and my hands would hurt and I would just hate it. But I kind of got into this um, routine of making it a ritual. I like brew my coffee and I sit down and I just write three pages. And like I said, whatever comes up, comes up. Sometimes I have a prompt for it. Like I'm going to write down everything that I'm grateful for. And it can be like the fact that I can hold this pen and like I have a place to live and this and that. You, right, if you get right. down to gratitude, like it's very, very healing. But you'd be surprised at some of the negative beliefs that come up when you're writing three pages every day. You're like, holy crap, I didn't even know I believed that. And so then you can write further and see why you feel that way. And it's it's really profound, actually. So that's one of the major things that I do every day. And I, I definitely notice a difference if I'm not doing that. I'll kind of notice like the triggers kind of come back in and I have less control over them. But if I'm writing, then I'm like very aware throughout the day. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why I feel like that. So I do that a lot. I meditate every day. I do breath work. I kind of do a lot to just kind of get into a good headspace for everything that I'm doing throughout the day. And if I am having like a particularly hard training session, I I try not to take it so hard anymore. I'm just like, hey, you know, it's all good. Like we can't be 100% every day. It's not that serious and it's totally fine. And like you had said, just the achieving um, version of us, like we're, we're all really big achievers out here. And I think that everyone can like everyone that comes from a gymnastics background and just every athlete that grew up doing sports can totally relate to having self-worth issues, like low self-worth feeling like they're not enough. And so I think finding these things that work for you is just incredibly important to be able to navigate those situations. Right. And that awareness you, that you mentioned, like you say, you can feel those triggers happening. So maybe someone listening might have the same things that come up for them that you do, but they're not aware of that yet. So what are, what are some of the things that you notice that tend to bubble up that make you kind of snap back through that faster? Because it is a practice. You have to become aware of it and realize, oh, this is a limiting belief or something that's not serving me. So this is how I'm going to react to it. So what are, what are some of those through meditation i was able to kind of like understand how to observe your thoughts like as the awareness rather than the actual thoughts because obviously they're not your thoughts Mm -hmm. so um a lot of times when i notice a trigger like this is a very specific example and it it doesn't seem to happen as much anymore but let's say there's a job that i auditioned for and i didn't get it and someone i know did and my feeling right away is like oh why did she get it and not me right and then that's kind of like, oh, why am I comparing myself? Why did I have an expectation that everything has to go to me? That's not really fair, right? And so I'll kind of like have that awareness of like, holy crap, this is not the best version of myself. The best version of me would be really happy for that person and understand that work is for everybody and um, what's meant for me will come to me. And so these are the kind of things that I realize. like I notice these thought patterns and I'm like, oh, okay, like, maybe I need to take a step back and kind of be by myself for a minute and reflect on that. And uh, maybe I'll do a meditation or something and just kind of like breathe a little bit and understand that. Yeah. Again, it's, it's not that serious. Like someone getting another job and stuff. That's great. Like, I hope, I hope everybody can get all the work. Like I'd want them to be happy for me if I could get a job too. So it's really, really important to have that awareness. Um, like you had said to just be like, Oh, okay. This is not the version of me that I want to be. Like I want to be happy for this person. And also I want to get more work in the future. That's, you can do both. (laughs) Totally. And I think that, 
how old are you right now? I'm 29. You're 20. Okay. So we're the same age as I thought. Um, and when we were in gymnastics, pretty sure it was very similar where a lot of our teammates were preteen, teenage girls who we were not supportive of each other. Or our coaches said, no, you can't, like, don't watch the girl that goes before you. Focus, like, get in your zone. Um, you know, don't track your scores, whatever. And now the generation that is going through gymnastics because of everything that's come out from the sport, first of all. But now this generation, they're cheering for their teammates in their own gym. And they're cheering for girls that are in their squad on, on, on different teams. It's It's so amazing to see. And... I think it also comes from like the work that we did. We were able to to get that awareness. Have you noticed anything like that, or like what are your thoughts on the kind of the shift? Yeah, um, it was definitely the same for me. So I don't want to talk shit about my coaches or anything because like I had, <laughs> I had good experiences, but also yeah. I had some really negative ones. Um, but he would compare us a lot. He would kind of be like, "Oh, well, this person did this. Like, why can't you be like that and stuff?" So it kind of creates that percent oh, yes. of people and. I like, I'm glad that you can relate, but also not because I don't think it's good. <laughs> but at the same time, I think you're right. Like we've definitely made a change um, through our generation because I'm seeing it now with younger gymnasts, they're all cheering each other on and it just seems way more supportive. And it's the same in the parkour community. There aren't so many women. Uh, it's a very male dominated sport. That's true. But, so I was at this competition last weekend and uh, it was amazing. Like all of the girls were helping each other. They were so supportive and were giving each other like technique, like ideas and how to, how we can like accomplish this challenge together. There was no yeah. party that didn't want them to get it. I wanted everybody to get it too. And like, we're all standing up on the podium and we all hug each other. It's like, it's right. really beautiful. Yeah, exactly. That's how I felt with pole too. And I, I hadn't experienced that. And when you get into a sport or um, a class or some kind of movement style, where you do feel that inclusivity and you feel like a family, you feel like sisters or brothers, you know, like even when I was in the calisthenics and stuff and doing, doing all that, those guys were my brothers. And, and I just, there is not that level of competition uh, that we were trained to feel and see in others when we were younger. So now we're having to do that work to unlearn it. And I think it's great that, that the, this younger generation is understanding that there is abundance. It's not, it doesn't have to be around scarcity. Like if they get it, then you're not like it, the yes and no, the this or that, um, yeah, I think is, this and that. is wonderful. And I think the other thing too, I, I was told a quote once that like, um, someone else's light doesn't dim yours. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's like a really valid thing. And yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I think it's also a very American thing. Um, my husband is British yes. and uh, uh, definitely can't relate to a lot of yeah. competitive tendencies that we have. I think in America, we're taught from a very young age, at least our generation was, that um, you need to be the best in order to succeed. You need to outwork everybody. You need to constantly be on the hustle and the grind and all this and that. And so you feel like shit if you're not doing that. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's no way to live. Like it's really not, you don't want to be in that fear-based belief of competitive nature. Like some competition is good, but only when it's, you are trying to make each other better. Cause if you go out there and you win because someone else messed up, it doesn't feel good. Right. Like, yeah. You yeah. want You're everyone like, ah. to win too. <laughs> yeah. Right. So when you retired from gymnastics and kind of like made a transition. Did you f like, what did you feel? Was there a void? 
Uh, did you have an identity crisis? Like, what do I do with all this time? Who am I? What do I, what do I do? Cause you, what, like, where were you at? What age were you? And what was that transition into real life? Like, um, so I was 14 and I remember that I had a really hard time quitting in the first place. I was really scared that I would get fat. I had such a fear around gaining weight. Um, one of my coaches had told me, like, if you quit gymnastics, you're going to get fat, which I was very scared of. I ate McDonald's all the time as a kid. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I remember that was like a really big fear-based belief that I have. And it's really sad that that was like the major one as to why I didn't feel like I could go on and have a normal life. I thought like gymnastics was who I was, even though it wasn't, you know, it's never like what you do. So I remember, yeah, being 14 years old and wanting to quit so bad, but like, also I was scared of what my parents might think. They were like really, really wanting me to pursue this. And so, um, getting to the point where I could actually quit was very hard. And then I couldn't even tell my coach, like I made my mom do it. Um, I was too scared to tell my coach that I wanted to quit. So it's really, really sad to look back on because I'm like, wow, it's like, it's okay to have other things that you want to do in life. You don't, you know, you right. don't just have to do this one thing. And so um, I think the transition at first, I remember, I remember it took like a few weeks for me to actually feel normal, like for me to wake up without like crying at the fact that I had quit and stuff. It's it's really sad to look back on. And um, mind you, I kind of had this a lot with parkour as well when I wanted to start cutting back a little bit. Um, that's a more recent thing for me, but I, I'm shifting more into the stunt world. Like I've been working on stunts for the past eight years, but now it's kind of like consuming uh, a lot more of my time. And I want to put my focus on that, but also because I had made such a name for myself in parkour, it's the same kind of feelings come up and I'm like, whoa, I thought this was like completely healed. It's so funny that it's not. Right, um, it comes back. <laughs> yeah, it comes back. And you, yeah, you kind of have like a little identity crisis for a minute. It's like, oh, but I've spent like so much of my life like doing this now because I've actually been doing uh, parkour longer than I did gymnastics for because I did that competitively for seven years and I've been doing parkour for 12 and a half. So, um, wow. so you, yeah, the same kind of feelings had come up, but way less intense. Like I realized, Hey, I can, I can always just do this for fun. It's not the end of the world. Like I can just train it because I actually love it. And it's more of an expression of me. Um, rather than anything else. Like it's, I don't have to do it to win. I can, I can just do it because I feel like myself when I do it. Love that. Yes. We need so much more of like, just feeling like yourself, not trying to be something else. And I also thought it was interesting that you had your mom tell your coach, cause you're afraid of your coach. We shouldn't be afraid of our coaches. But we also shouldn't disrespect our coaches. We just shouldn't be afraid of them. Right. Anywho. <laughs> like we should not fear this adult who knows all it's very not accurate um i think that's really really interesting okay well part of that because you said that you've been doing parkour more than you did for gymnastics that just like reminded me of something yesterday that the jonas brothers song sos came out 15 years ago and that was half of our lifetime ago and i was like no let's stop the world <laughs> right that's 15 years ago wow it's like it's like far away but also gosh 15 years ago like to the yeah i'm gonna stop so um right it's it's like mind-blowing but it's only gonna get more and more so like when we think that gymnastics or our sport consumes us or is our identity once you enter like 
middle age or, you know, you're in your senior years, you're going to have so much more of your life where you were not competitive. And it's just going to be a little blip in time. But I do want everybody that I help to realize that you can, like you said, do these things for fun. And you can still have your sport be the majority of your lifetime. But that competitive, really intense phase is going to be a season, just a little like microscopic blip on your life's timeline. Um, So realizing the weight that it carries is important, but it's also not like life or death. It's not um, your entire being. So just to take a step back and and give yourself that little bit of a break because we we put that pressure on ourselves a lot yes we feel it from outside but we have the choice to put that on ourselves and adopt that as our own well and I genuinely believe too that everybody that you meet and come in contact with is a mirror they're showing you something that you don't like about yourself or that you do like about yourself so oftentimes, like if you're annoyed at someone for being super competitive, you better look at yourself and realize, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't like. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I yeah, I genuinely believe that. And I think one of the things that helped me understand um, that like sports are not my life is um, I remember I was having a conversation with someone, and I said something along the lines of like, "There's nothing else that I'm really good at. Like this is what I'm good at. There's nothing else." And I remember he said, that's really arrogant. And I thought that was like a really funny thing to say. But then he kind of went on to explain, like, you're a part of this world, like you're part of creation and you're assuming that you're only good at one thing that's for you. Like you're good at other things. You can inspire other people. Like you're, you're good at other things just besides your sport. That's not what you came here to be. Like, you know what I mean? And I, I thought about this and was like kind of taken aback and, then I realized why it's true. Like, that's a very arrogant thing to say that like, you're only good at one thing that you're doing for you. Like there's, you're brought to help other people, surely. Like there's some part of you mm. that is like here to help others. It's not really just that so you can be good at a sport. <laughs> arrogant was a very interesting word choice. I feel like I would choose a different word, but I totally get what, yeah. what the point and the purpose behind that is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was so funny though, because I was like, whoa, that's actually kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> it took me yeah. a while to realize why, but um, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think other people's opinions don't need to matter as much, but we need to listen to what they're saying because if it can teach us something about ourselves or help us become a better person, why not listen to that? Uh, yeah. But, but don't let it like crush you and knock you down or if it's not serving you and it's making you it's make it is making you feel like shit then it it does not need to be looked at that way you just put on a post-it note and like look at it in a bunch of different ways yeah and, um, and as you said too like every with everybody being like somewhat a mirror um mm-hmm. what people are saying to you is more of a reflection on how they feel too so if right. they're saying something mean to you then it's totally more like what they probably inside about right themselves. Yeah, I teach I teach people the concept of everyone is watching a movie of their lives and of other people's lives in their own movie theaters. Like if you're watching the movie of your life, everything's going according to like how you think life is going. And then you stand up, you go into the next theater and it's like a parent or a sibling or a partner and you sit down in their theater and they're watching the movie of your life. But from their point of view, you're like, what the hell is this? This is not the same movie. Like what? <laughs> it's just a completely different perspective. Um 
of your life from their point of view. So everybody is living their lives watching their movie. Um, so whenever they say something to you or about you, it is from their perspective, from their movie theater. Um, just helps you, helps you uh, kind of step back a little bit. So how are you, because we're never able to stop the darkness, like my avocado tattoo, hold, hold your darkness in your light, make your light shine brighter than your darkness. Cause we're human and it's always going to be there. So we know that there are going to be more times in our lives when we go through hell, when we're overwhelmed, when we're stressed, when we're burned out, when we have heartbreak, whatever it may be, those are always going to show up. So how are you going to respond the next time you feel overwhelmed or stressed or depressed? I think um, for me, I always make sure to look at it for what it really is rather than what I decide it is. Because a lot of times you can go down this rabbit hole of spiraling and, and deciding that things are actually worse than they are. But if I think about like what this is tr trying to teach me, then it can be a lot easier to pull myself out of that um, dark spiral and realize like this is what it is. Like this is a tough time, but this is helping me learn this type of lesson. Like when I first moved to LA, I, I probably had very, I had very little money. <laughs> I, I don't know how I actually like got to where I was in LA because I had zero money. I came here and was very broke for a while. And I remember sitting down on a bench um, and my rent was past due. Like I wasn't able to pay it. And I remember thinking one day I'm going to look back on this when I'm successful and I'm going to remember this as something that was worth going through. And I do that now. I'm, I'm successful in my career. And I look back on that moment. And I'm glad I went through it. Like, I think the problem is, is that as humans, we actually don't know what's best for us because you're never going to actually choose to go through the struggle if you don't, you know, like no one wants to go through this really harsh hardships that we have to go through, but they always make us a better person on the other side of it. So it's really important to know that what you're going through is still going to be good for you. Absolutely. That is so, it's so tough. And I, I see it and it happens to me too, still, like even after my, my episode last year, super, super difficult. And then I look at this tattoo and I'm like, things get better. You've been here before, you know, like it, it's a pattern and it's like, just, you got to trust it. And sometimes those periods of your life or those hardships will will not be very fast and they will, they might even be years and you think that it's okay. This is just how it's, it's going to be for the rest of your life. Um, or you're always going to be broke or, Oh, you're not meant to be in LA or whatever, but you just got to have that trust and you need to surround yourself with the, with the people who are going to, um, help you help call you out on your shit, help you see life for what it is and help inspire you to, to keep going. Um, that's interesting that you say that because I actually did have a question like that in the beginning that was <clears throat> kind of around LA and that kind of um, concept, but I figured that I wouldn't do it, but we naturally went into it. So how do you, how do you balance your passions and the ability to afford living in LA? So a lot of people who are either like, I I'm from Los Angeles, so this is just like my world and my life. Um, but a lot of people come here with that same kind of, uh, feeling like they come not with, with a lot of money or they have this dream and they end up 
having, quote unquote, having to do something else to get to where they want to be. So how are you able to afford living in LA and, and doing what you love at the same time? Okay. So at first, when I moved to LA, obviously the goal was to get to where I am now, where I was able to make a career out of things that I love doing. I wanted to pursue parkour and be able to get paid for it. And then also I wanted to get into stunts, but both things are very hard to do and, and it requires a lot of patience. So um, when I first moved to LA, I, I started coaching at Tempest Freerunning, um, which was good. I don't love coaching all the time, but it was, it was a good thing to do because it allowed me to be in that environment that I want to be in. And like, it allowed me to meet a lot of stunt people and this and that. Um, and then I also had a job working at Starbucks. So I didn't love doing that, but I didn't define myself by my work that I did. You know, I, I went in and I did what was needed to be done so I could also work on my passion. And um, I remember funny enough with Starbucks, I had gotten offered a national commercial and uh I went into work and I said, Hey, I'm going to need this Saturday off. Like I need to trade with someone. They're like, yeah, you're not going to be able to do it. I'm like, okay, I quit. Like it was just that necessary. Like, cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to be stuck working at Starbucks. If I knew that like, Hey, this is, right. this is the time that my job's working out. Like it was almost like yeah. this test of, are you actually going to go with this? Or are you going to follow the rules and kind of stay with Starbucks and like hold yourself back because you have to do this job. Obviously it's getting closer to your career of what you actually want to be doing. Um, so anyway, I had, I had normal jobs for a while and I think it took me a few years to be able to quit them. And it was, it was fine because every glimpse that I got of like another job where I got to do what I loved, it felt really good. And I knew that someday I would be able to quit. I just had to have that trust, like you said, um, to know that it was working out, even though sometimes the obvious choice was to pack up and move back to Washington and just live a normal life. That sounded very intriguing at times, (laughs) but, um, I, I'm always really glad that I stayed. Um, and it's not to say that there won't be more hardships and stuff, but I've gotten to a much better place financially where with stunt work, I'm able to work as much as I need to. And then uh, with parkour, I've had a few good sponsorships along the way too. So I was talking with someone this morning about this because there's a lot of people in the stunt world that'll go, like they'll do a run of a show after the run of a show, run of a show. And so they'll be gone for like years just working on these things. And um, I've done I've done runs of shows before, but what I love about what I do now is that I have time to do everything else that I want to do as well. Like I only work probably once a week. Um, well, okay. The past two months have been a lot more, but, um, but I don't have to work that much. Like I'm able to actually do everything that I want to do. I'm still able to go to parkour competitions if I want to. And I'm able to go travel next week. Uh, my husband and I are going to Sedona. Like we can do whatever we want. And, uh, that's really cool. And I think it's, it's a reward of knowing, what your worth is, uh, trusting that you can stay in that worth and like eventually attract the life that you really want. Because I think people give up when they're not at where they expect to be. Um, I was talking to a girl today, it kind of broke my heart a little bit. She's 25 and she was telling me that she's not where she wants to be, like not where she thought she would have been at 25. And I think these are really arbitrary. Um, (laughs) these limits that we put on ourselves, they're very arbitrary. Like maybe the reason you're not where you're at at 25 is because you're going to be way better than where you thought you'd be at 30. Like you just don't know, um, the reason for your struggle yet. You know, I thought, I thought I'd have kids by now. I thought there was a bunch of stuff that I would have thought. And and I'm I'm glad that I'm not there. You know, like I, I'm, I'm really grateful. Like, I think as long as you can bring things back to gratitude and just like, 
just be very aware of all the things that you do have in your life and like what there is to enjoy in the present will get you so much further than just wondering why you're not at this place yet. Like that's not going to yeah. serve you in the long run. So. Yeah. I call that your blueprint. So like yeah. maybe when you were 17, you came up with this blueprint of what your life would look like, like married 24 kids at 25, blah, 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 blah. Right. And you created that and that's what you're working towards. And then you get to that age and your life is over here. And you're like, okay, this is not the blueprint I had for myself. And that's when you feel out of alignment. You feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to. You feel like you're a failure because you didn't make it there. But you're the one who drafted this blueprint in the first place. And hopefully you did it with pencil. So you go back in and you edit and update that blueprint and say updated 2022. And it matches your life currently, like where you are at. And that's when you're going to feel in alignment. You're like, okay, this is where I'm at. And this is where I'm supposed to be. And you can create a new blueprint for the future, but you need to constantly be updating that blueprint so that you don't feel out of alignment and frankly, just feel the ick, <laughs> right? You feel, feel icky when you're, when you're not uh, where you think you were, you should have been and you're shooting all over yourself, right? So I just go back in and update that blueprint. So to wrap this up, it's what is your advice for people who are in the beginning of their fitness journey or they're in the beginning of pursuing their passions? Um, what's, what's that piece of advice for the beginners, the, the starters? I would say, um, imagine who it is that you want to show up as and start being that person. I think has been the biggest help. Like when I wanted to, um, get to where I am now, I imagined who I'd have to be to be that. And mm. I started living that way. Um, and also, yeah, just do it for your future self. Like understand that um, just because things aren't working out the way that they expected, it doesn't mean it's going wrong. Um, a lot of times yeah. there's a much more beneficial side to why you are in the position that you're in yeah. and letting go of that expectation and that insistence that it has to be a certain way is the best way to feel um, more aligned, as you said. And free. Yeah, and free. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. That went fast, but that's, that's kind of like, I just wanted to, I wanted to just dip our toes in that, in that conversation about, you know, just struggles, the hardships, following your passion, um, and, and who you become based on where you've been, been and where you come from. Um, the, the former athlete thing is, is so big and so many of us are so alike, even though we're so different. Yes, I think that I... this will be really helpful. <laughs> Well, I mean, I could talk to you for hours. I'm so grateful that you asked me to be on. We could have this conversation. We should definitely get to catch up more soon because that would be I great. Know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're both we're both in this big small city um, in the same industry, so let's do it. I'll invite you to the next movie night or game night. Let's, oh, let's do it this do. time. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. And if you were listening to this and you loved any part of it, definitely please feel free to reach out, ask me or ask Sydney questions. How can people follow your journey and get a hold of you? The best way would probably be through Instagram. Um, you can type in at Sydney Olson one. Olson is spelt with an O-N and not an E-N. And um, I'm pretty responsive on there to messages. So if you reach out that way, I will probably get back to you. And I also have a YouTube channel. Just type in Sydney Olson, you'll find it. So that's that.
Did you know you can get a discount at trainlikeagymnast.com just for listening to these episodes? It's true. When you go to checkout, just use the promotion code LISTEN in all caps for a surprise. If you loved everything you heard in this episode, be sure to leave us a review and let us know what you want to hear more of. Until next time, train with purpose.